Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. Uh, we've got something new for Christmas that's going to go down. Uh, I had originally gotten three of my preacher friends to all agree to give me 15 minutes of time, and we're going to talk about a different aspect of Christmas, Advent, and so we kind of do like this Christmas uh, podcast that would come out on the 23rd, but the problem is when you get three preachers to give you 15 minutes, it really means they're going to do like 20 or 25, and no one wants to listen to a podcast that's like, you know, like an hour or 10 minutes long, so what I've decided to do is to break these up into three podcasts that I'm going to release uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and so you can hopefully listen to these each morning before or, you know, the day of or after. I don't know when you want to listen to these, but you can listen to them leading up until uh, Christmas Eve and then uh, Christmas Day. So uh, we've got uh, Dr. Sarah Barton, who's like, she's like the big sister to me. Um, And so she's back on the podcast today and uh, she's talking about Mary. And then uh, we've got Sean Palmer, who I'm going to release his episode tomorrow. And uh, we're talking about uh, the genealogy from Matthew's Gospel and uh, it's a good conversation. And then I'm about to record with our friend Fate Haygood uh, in an hour or so. And that will go out uh, on Tuesday. Um, but we'll have these three podcasts. They're going to come out. You can listen to before Christmas, after Christmas, whatever you want to do. But uh, I'm probably not going to post another podcast until the uh, second week in January. I'm going to take a little time off uh, for the holidays. Don't want to be doing podcast stuff when I should be with my family. Uh, you know, I've had some issues recently. I kind of got tempted. Uh, I did. I had this uh, podcast for uh, that Tom Hanks new movie, uh, Mr. Rogers. That's not the title of it. Something about the neighborhood. Anyway, whatever that uh, movie is, I had um, had one scheduled on a Wednesday with the writers and directors, and the studio canceled it. And they came back and said, "We'll give you a Friday with." the actual journalist that the kind of the story's built upon, uh, like his experience with Mr. Rogers. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to miss, um, uh, like Friday's my, my Sabbath. I try not to do like work stuff there. And, uh, so I had to pass on it and they couldn't come back and give me another date. And then I told that to my dad, my dad's like, Oh my goodness, how did you miss that podcast? And then, so I felt like, Oh, I did something stupid. And then, uh, a week or two later, I had Louis Giglio's people say, Hey, we can give you this Friday to talk with Louis. And I said, okay, I'll do this Friday. And then like a day after, I felt guilty about it. And so I was like, hmm, can't do it. So I canceled with them. I said, hey, give me another date you know, this following week. And then it never happened. So um, I, I've been kind of tempted to kind of get away from this whole like scheduling thing and not doing things on Friday. I messed up one time, thought I missed one. And then lo and behold, I'm at a party and I'm telling my friend Todd, hey, this is what happened. Yeah, I just missed the passes today. And then he looks at me, he goes, uh, didn't you record that Thanksgiving one with Stormont on a Friday? And I was like, oh. So this is all Stormont's fault. Uh, so this whole kerfuffle about Friday scheduling. Anyway, all this stuff you don't care about. Why am I telling you this? But uh, the point is, we've got these uh, three episodes. are going to come out uh, December 20... What is that? 22nd, 23rd, and then 24th. Listen to them, enjoy them, and then uh, I'll come back to you uh, probably like January 13th with the next episode. And I think... Um, I think you're going to like it. We've got, uh, I think James Martin might come back on uh, January, possibly. Uh, John Eldred's people have been uh, trying to get a date uh, on the podcast as well. Uh, So we've got a couple things already lined up for January that I think you're going to enjoy. But I know you will enjoy this conversation, Dr. Sarah Barton. She's she's great. Um, Now, friends, get into it. The return of our good friend, Sarah Barton. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing great today. Hello, Luke. 
Well, Dr. Barton, it is an honor to have you back. It's been too long since you've been on the podcast. It's been a couple of years. No, it hasn't been that. Has yeah, it really? A couple of years. Oh, I, tr- I tried to get you a couple months ago when I was out. And- I'm, too, I'm too busy for you now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as it's not me that's being rude, I, I'm much happier with that. So <laughs> we will let the record show it is your fault, not my fault. But we are glad to have you back on. And, you know, we're doing the Christmas stuff. And you wanted to talk about Mary from Luke's Gospel. Why is that the Christmas text you want to talk about today? Um, I love just the, I love Luke's gospel when it comes to Christmas. It's my favorite Christmas, um, Christmas, the, the telling of it is my favorite in Luke. So many great details in there. And, um, I have something in common with Mary, uh, that I also have a Christmas baby. I gave birth on Christmas day. So I know we don't know exactly when Jesus was born, but it should be um, that day. Yeah, but I have a Christmas baby. My daughter, Bryn, was born on Christmas Day. Did you think you should at least give her like a some sort of Christological middle name or something? Since it's a- She has her middle name is Noel. Oh, there it is. Perfect. Oh, so, yes. Her middle name is Noel, at least for uh, celebrating Christmas. And she was born in East Africa, and it is majorly uh, special to be born on Christmas in East Africa. People will congratulate you your whole life long. Really? They've congratulated me. Now, Bryn is 24, will be 24 years old on Christmas Day. And I still, when we go back to Uganda, people tell me, oh, how is your, how is Noelle who was born on Christmas? They remember all these years later that my baby was born on Christmas. Awesome. So, um, so I love it that this is, has to do with childbirth. Um, I love that we get this insight not only into Mary and giving birth to Jesus, but Elizabeth, you know, giving birth to John. And so I just love that. I don't know. And especially, I guess, being a woman, getting to preach and teach about childbirth, I think is especially is, is special. What? I'm not so sure what you do when you preach so much about, you know, the childbirth story, but I think I happen to have some special insights into it. So I love this for that reason. I've been a part of three childbirths specifically. I've just been in the room and (laughs) that's, that's about it. The, the thing that I get most brought up in my family regarding childbirth is the time that I snuck out to eat a donut during the birth of our oldest daughter. So I don't have as (laughs) much experience as you do. What experience? Yeah. What do you think? uh, Not like in a bad way. I, I mean, I can't change it, but what do you think I'm missing most about the experience of childbirth that would in um, enliven my preaching if I had experienced that when I'm talking about yeah. childbirth? Yeah, well, some of it is Christmas and some of it for me is Advent. And those are different. Mm-hmm. And so we're, when I'm thinking of the Mary story, the texts usually fall, fall during Advent when you're with Mary. I don't know about you, but um, when I was growing up, I don't know if you heard this, you're kind of from the south when i was growing up my mom would not say the word pregnant she just did not say it it was pregnant she just didn't say it she would say of a woman who was pregnant she would say she's expecting why is that that she's expecting it's just kind of not a polite word to say pregnant and that's kind of fallen away because now we talk about pregnancy quite openly um, even now, you know, those big, those pictures you women get of their bellies, like where their bellies are yeah, showing, yeah, 
I mean, just imagine 50 years ago, that was not happening. We were much more, I don't know, it was just discreet. We were much more discreet. And there was a tradition where there's a whole group of people who didn't say the word pregnant. They said she's expecting. Um, having lived in East Africa, there is no word in the Lusoga language for pregnancy. There's no word. And so when we were asking, what's the word for that, to point to a pregnant woman and say, what's the word for that? The, the, the teacher said to us, we do not have a word in Lusoga for that. And it was like it was kind of like not polite. And so he said, if you really have to talk about it, if you must, you can say she's waiting. And so that's like what my mom said. She's expecting or she's waiting. And I like those visions of pregnancy because I think that's what we we see with Advent. And we see Mary waiting uh, and we see Elizabeth waiting. And then they're they're in this time of waiting. And that goes so well with what's happening in um, in their lives, just in the context of the Greco-Roman uh, Palestinian, uh, Palestinian occupation, really, where they were waiting to be uh, redeemed. They were re- waiting to be rescued. And so I just think there's all this waiting going on, waiting, 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 going on in this text with Mary. And so I just think there's almost nothing like when you're waiting in life that's like waiting for a baby. First of all, here's Elizabeth who had to wait, wait, wait forever to get pregnant, which is a very difficult situation um, that many people can identify with. And then we have Mary waiting and expecting this baby to be born. And we have the people of Israel waiting for a Messiah to come. Mm -hmm. And now I think we Christian people are waiting people waiting for Jesus to return. And I don't think we think of ourselves as waiting people. Yeah, we don't. All that. But we're waiting people. So to me that's the message of Advent. It's the message of Christmas. What if people looked at us and said, "Look at those people, Christian people. They know how to wait." They're good waiters. <laughs> mm. They're good at waiting. They're good at expecting. They're good at because, I don't know, we don't like, nobody likes to wait in general in our society. We don't like to wait. Yeah. So I love that theme in Luke's gospel, this expectancy. And I, I'm terrible at waiting. I'm the person who, like, will judge which lane is going fastest, whether it's at a traffic light or grocery store or whatever. I'm terrible at waiting. Advent is a season of waiting. Christians are supposed to be people who wait well. Advent ties us to the sense that, like, we are waiting for something bigger than just December 25th, but we're part of something else. How how can this kind of reorient the way we live, not just in these you know couple weeks leading up, but to like this disposition towards w- what we have as our ultimate hope? Yeah, you know I think that we we wait with fear. Um, we and and there's even that line you know from Gabriel to Mary: "Do not fear. Do not uh, it, yeah. do not be afraid." And there's just so much fear in our lives, and we wait like people without hope. Um, But I I think Mary has this spirituality of peace. There's something about Mary and her way of 
making our way through this crisis that's such an example for us. If we want to, if we're waiting, we feel the crises in our lives all the time. I bet in our churches, if you've polled everyone, there's a whole bunch of people who are who are wanting to celebrate Christmas, who are wanting to be people of joy and peace, and yet everybody's got something going on in life that makes it very hard to wait for Jesus, to wait for Jesus, you know, ultimately, and to wait for the birth of Jesus that makes this a hard season. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And so here's this Mary, I think, being this example of a spirituality of peace. And I think, I don't know. I think the maybe the there there there's a lot out there that kind of makes us think that we should have a spirituality of a certain kind, but I don't think we talk about waiting much when we talk about spirituality. Yeah, I think there, there's a lot of talk about a spirituality of fulfillment. That you know, in in, mm-hmm. in Christ, you're fulfilled, and you have everything that you need, and you've been get lavished with every uh, good and perfect gift. Like all, all these things, we 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 act as though we have been fully received everything. But Christmas reminds us that there is, or Advent reminds us of that we're still waiting for more. But the way that Mary lives in the anticipation is peculiar because in the Magnificat, she she sings of what God has already done, even mm-hmm. though Jesus is still in utero, and it's mm-hmm. like this. This weird hope that lives in confidence as though it's already taken place, mm-hmm. right? I think that I think that's all through Luke and Acts. I mean, I think Luke. I like Luke so much because, oh, thank um, you. <laughs> not you, Luke, oh. a different Luke. Um, I like Luke that because could, that would have been a nice thing for you to say. You could have just gone with. Yeah, it. Yeah, it would have been nice to make that, but but I didn't. I, I think Luke takes history. And makes it gospel. I think Mark takes drama and makes and and it makes it gospel. I think Matthew takes curriculum or something and makes and it is gospel. <laughs> and I think that that here's here's Luke taking history, and it's not just history and what happened in Jesus of Nazareth and what happened with Mary and what happened with uh, Elizabeth. It, it's 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 what God is doing in history. Mm-hmm. And so I love in Luke and Acts the way that we get this, this history of what God is doing to reconcile humanity. I think that's what Luke and Acts is about. God is doing something in history. It's already happening. We're joining it. And, and oh, I get so excited. So here to me is like the, like the, uh, I think I heard this from Miroslav Volf um, originally. Here is a woman as far on the margins of everything as you can be. So she's on the margins of the Roman Empire. She's on the margins of uh, her social uh, pyramid of power and mm-hmm. privilege. She's a peasant. She is... Um, a woman, women get status by giving birth and being married, and she's neither one of those yet. She is in Nazareth, a place that's not even not even mentioned in any pre-Christian uh, ancient texts. It's nowhere. It is. It's on the margins of like. There's a you know when they one of the things I got to do on my bucket list was to go to. Israel um, this last summer. Have you been before? I went last uh, fall. No. Oh, yeah. you did? Yeah. I, we both recently. Yeah. 
Where, so you went to Nazareth? I went to Israel and I went to all the places. And so you know what this is like then. When you're there, you go to places and they say, well, something so-and-so may have happened here or it yeah. might have happened there. Or you're somewhere and they're saying this is what happened here and you're suspicious. Yeah. It just feels a little. But when you're in Nazareth, like it was such a small town, like 300 people. And it was on the edges of everything. It was in the middle of nowhere. So when you're in Nazareth, this is why it was my favorite place to be there. You pretty much know this is where Mary and Joseph walked around. This is where Jesus, uh, you know, the Church of the Annunciation, um, what does it say? It says uh, the word became flesh here, mm-hmm. here. <laughs> and you go, yeah, this is pretty much here where where this happened because um, Nazareth was so small. It was a small town. And, you know, when they've uncovered stuff, it's a poor place. The 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 um, the houses were made with foundations of local stones and they had um, they had dirt floors and they had thatched roofs and they had they, they were just it was a it was not a spectacular place. And so Luke's gospel starts off talking about the emperor and the governor but it's not the emperor, the governor, who who God sees. Yeah. It's this 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 young woman in a village, in the middle of nowhere, to whom God comes and 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 says, "I think what happens there is Mary has imagination to put herself at the center of God's purposes in history, and to believe she could be there." God says, this is going to happen, and she can imagine it. Who, who of us can imagine it? Wow. So is the invitation and, for us to live in that imagination, too, that, that God is doing something that we're invited into now? Yes, and I just think most, so we're middle-class people in industrial societies. We've got plenty of stuff compared to yeah. Mary and compared to so many people in the world, and yet it's like our houses have gotten bigger. Our, I mean, think how far we travel. You and I just mentioned having been to Israel and back. We go all over the world. Everything is bigger. Our scope of the world is wider than Mary ever knew. And yet it's like our imaginations have shrunk and hers was large. She could imagine it. She could imagine that God could do something through her that she could co-create with God. She was a co-creator with God in her pregnancy. What if we imagine that we could co-create with God, with this spirituality of peace? And what do we do with God? We take part in turning upside down the structures of this world. It's not like it's nirvana kind of peace. (laughs) Mary, you know, one of the things that bugs me is that all the art of Mary is often just Mary with her hands folded and her eyes closed. And she looks, I don't know, kind of like she's above the earth, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't, her feet were on the earth in that little hut, you know, and she could stand there and she could imagine herself a part of God's purposes in history. Mm. I think we're a part of the same purposes. Yeah. I love the idea that our world has gotten small. We're able to travel. We can talk to whoever. You and I are however many miles California to Texas is right now, but we are looking face-to-face through technology. Our world yep. is small enough that, that you know we can be friends even though we live so far apart. But yeah. 
but we've lost the imagination of God doing something redemptive and uh, apocalyptic and and salvific right now in the midst of, of us. And we, oh, that's so true. That very same action that was happening through the power of the Holy Spirit in that that um, conception mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the conception of the church in Acts and in this crossing of boundaries and moving throughout the world, like. People feel like right now, so this is how I think this preaches to people on Sunday. We feel like in the church, at least if we're paying attention, that we're small, we're ineffective, our churches are shrinking, our children are not coming to church like we wish they would. I mean, all the numbers add up for Protestant, for Christianity in the Western world. And so we feel small and not seen and maybe we feel marginalized i don't necessarily think we some of the ways we think we're marginalized we're not being marginalized other ways you know what we are feeling like we have less power in a way that we once had so i think doesn't this remind us that the power we seek has never been about um has never been about the politics of emperors and kings and governors. It's been about the kind of power Mary sings about, um, that it's for um, for the poor and the outcast and for those who are at the bottom of society. That's where the real power mm. is. And Mary could see that. Mary had imagination that she could help make a difference for that. And so you just see it all throughout Luke and Acts. That's how it's going to be lived out. Did you, uh, perchance, make it to Bethlehem when you were in Israel-Palestine? Yes. Okay. Did you get, like, the church of uh, whatever it's called there? Um, I should probably know the name of it. But it's... The Nativity. Yeah, Church of the Nativity. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's this big, ornate, uh, amazing structure. Gold. And obviously it's been rebuilt, I think, at least once or twice, probably. But it's, it's amazing. And it's almost as if in our dearth of imagination, the only thing we can come up with is gold and a fancy building, but the story of mm-hmm. the birth of Jesus is that there is an imagination beyond the walls of what this world can offer, and yet we yeah. reduce it down to a gold, golden building with big walls and an ornate ceiling, but really the message of Christmas is that something big is going on, and it's beyond, beyond what you can see. Yeah, and who was invited to come meet baby Jesus first? It wasn't the emperor and the governor and all the people listed at the top. It wasn't them. It was shepherds, shepherds who probably owned one or two sheep themselves, but they just watched other people's sheep. They were at the, you know, at the bottom of the peasants. Mm -hmm. They get to come. The the emperor gets like a line at the beginning. The shepherds get like three paragraphs (laughs) of it's it. God has chosen the people that the world rejects and has given power and Bless blessing, uh, Jesus talks about in the in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are, it, and yet I don't know. It seems that maybe that's what Mary needs to to teach us. And mm-hmm. I, I want to say one other thing about Mary because I know our time's getting close, and I do think that there's a Greek word there that said Mary pondered what. Gabriel was saying to her Mm. and a friend of mine recently, Kendi DeLong, who's a professor here at Pepperdine, 
was teaching about this. And I guess I've looked at that word before when I've studied, but it really means to investigate. To She investigated and she thought it over. And I think we've made it seem like Mary just blindly accepted. She asked good questions. She said, now, how is this going to be? Because mm-hmm. Mary, even though she was young and, you know, and educated in some way, she knew how the birds and the bees work. And she was like, well, how is this going to be? And she ponders and she asks questions and she's involved in and she has agency, I think, is the way we would say it now. Mm -hmm. I think we've done Mary a disservice when we've taken away her agency. She is like this this example for women that she can think for herself. She can make decisions for herself and she can agree to become part of this uh, of co-creating with God Mm -hmm. in this unbelievable opportunity like look at what she got to be a part of an experience and she can discern and the angel said go and check it out with your cousin she's pregnant and when you find her and it she's pregnant and in her old age then you'll know and so there's this corroborating vision this corroborating experience so mary is given Yeah, corroborating is all through Luke and Acts. I mean, if you think about it, there's all these visions that get corroborated throughout so that, yeah, a vision matters, but there there are corroborations so that you can go and you can have that peace. So Mary could go see Elizabeth, spend time with her and receive a peace that I'm not kind of losing it here. This all makes sense. This God, what God says is true. The spirit is is doing something here and my cousin is helping me understand it. I mean, even baby John, the the in in utero got in on the corroboration, you mm-hmm. know, with this jumping and leaping in the womb. So anyway, I think just think Mary was a lot more of a thinker than we've painted her to be in art. Yeah, we. I, I wish I love art when it really paints Mary as um, with strength. She must have been so strong. Uh, yeah, you can only imagine what that would do. The uh, the text in the NRSV says she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. I like the idea that you can be perplexed and ponder, like that you are confused, but you are still like letting this yeah. soak inside of you. You're researching it. You're you're looking into it. But those confusion and yeah, yeah. The confusion and trust can go together. They're not opposites, and that you can be perplexed and ponder at the same time. Oh, I love it. It's a beautiful picture. I'm, I've never even picked that up before, but uh, I like that. Well, yeah, Mary is just this. I don't know if it, I know that like, you're doing this series on Christmas. And I think if people could just spend time with Mary at this Christmas season, this pregnant woman who, by the way, could either walk or ride a donkey for a long way at nine months pregnant. She was strong of body, mind and spirit if she did that. So you're saying that being pregnant and riding a donkey at nine months is difficult. I I never experienced that. I assumed it was easy. No, I think that would be pretty hard. I don't know. You go home, go home and ask your wife okay. if she's be up for that. If you have another one, we're so. not having another one, so I'm not going to ask that question. So don't put that into the universe. That is not something that God needs to be considering doing. That shouldn't be possible. You know, it is possible. People will possibly find this to be a very meaningful sermon. That might be the best sermon they've heard. We'll just turn this into sermon. You know, I think I was going to put all three of these together, and we're already at like 24 minutes and. Lord, oh no, went over. Lord knows fate and Sean aren't going to go short either. So I might just have to release this on its own. And this could be like your, uh, 
your pre-Christmas warm-up sermon to get you in the mood for uh, living in a, a life love, of hope. Yeah, I love preaching this time of year. Okay. It's the most wonderful time of the year to preach. I, I don't <laughs> think that's how the song typically goes, but I think you're not wrong either. So, yeah. well, uh, Big Sister Sarah, thank you so much. It's great to have you on. And, uh, great to have you. And I hope that... Keep doing Thanks. I hope that you are not too busy for me sometime in the future, and we can have you back. We'll do it. Deal. So that was great. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.